Superman. Captain Marvel. Batman. It is 1985. Robin of Earth 2. Sergeant Rock. The Legion of Superheroes. This is the most eagerly awaited comic book event in 50 years. Tommy Tomorrow. Jonah Hex. Commandy. It will one day be called the greatest comic book event of all time. Swamp Thing. Wonder Woman. The New Teen Titans. The Haunted Tank. Infinity Incorporated. Worlds will live. Green Arrow. Worlds will die. Supergirl. The Flash. And that is only the beginning. The Justice League of America. The All-Star Squadron. The Huntress. Arian. The Metal Man. Firestorm. The Nuclear Man. The Outsiders. Green Lantern. The Blue Beetle. The Crime Syndicate. Warlord. The Guardians of the Universe. Tales of the Justice Society of America proudly presents... And many, many more. Crisis on Infinite Earths. The DC Universe will never be the same. Coming January only at twotruefreaks.com. The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. Oh no! What will we do now? R2D2, you found a cigarette! Well, I don't think smoking has grown up at all. Don't be so ridiculous, R2. Underrules are for Earthlings. <laughs> All you need is a little rewiring, but children need to be fully immunized. I'm Jawa. Want to buy a droid? Sure, what you got? Wampa, wampa, wampa! We picked up something. It's the Millennium Falcon. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Two True Freaks presents... Growing up Star Wars. Charming to the last. Hello, and welcome back to episode four of Growing Up Star Wars. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I am here with my two co hosts, Mr. Scott Gardner, my bestest buddy from high school and yeah, middle school. How's it going? And post middle school and high school. And Scott Rifen. We're good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, and here's that other guy. And, here's uh, the man I would gladly give my life for and, under any circumstances whatsoever. And, and another here's, Scott. Here's that guy that I'd probably have lunch with. Stray that we I'd picked love to, up. I, I, I'd love to have lunch with you. <laughs> and, and you know what? If you were choking on some food, I'd probably give you the Heimlich maneuver. Probably. Oh, thank you. I don't know that I want you behind me with your hands on my waist, but <laughs> I guess that's a whole different thing. <laughs> Did I say hello? Hello! That would be the greatest episode of Dinner for Geeks ever if somebody <laughs> like saved somebody's life choking up, you know, some meatball at, at um, or something. 
and, oh and the meatball Lord. flies out of their mouth and hits the the windscreen of the the recorder. It goes. <laughs> so awesome. You know, I was telling somebody the other day. We we almost. I I'm not going to get too much into the details here because everybody's going to be listening. We almost fired one of the guys on the show, just just to do it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all, were, were, were you all in on it and like, oh, all right, we'll draw a straw and whoever it is get no, fired no, off the show? No, I'll just say three of us were in on it and they'll have to put <laughs> them in on it. <laughs> oh, that's mean. That sounds like something I would conspire to do. <laughs> but yeah, we thought about it long and hard and then decided not to. But it would have been, you got to admit, it would have been great drama. It would have been. It would have been had, it would have been the, that dramatic, awkward moment. You know, you know, there would have been that pause after the hammer got dropped. Yeah. After, well, when were you going to do it? Were you going to do it at the beginning, middle, or end of the podcast? No, we're, no, the beginning, because I think you let the drama flow from there. Right. So. <laughs> well, you know, but if you let the audience in on it before he gets there, if you all get to dinner there early and are just like, all right, you know. When are we going to do it? You know, you could actually have like something like, all right, we'll have a code word when the right moment comes. And, and when one of us gives a code word, that's what it, you know. <laughs> then the hammer will drop. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, 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 you know, someone says, can I have another glass of water? <laughs> it starts going off over his head. Or these pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, we didn't fire anybody. But we, ah, well, it ruins we the gag Scott and I set yeah. up where we were going to fire you during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just, that's okay. I'd be able to get to bed on time anyway. So. Right. <laughs> Another yeah. stolen idea. <laughs> <laughs> so what's new for you guys in the world of Star Wars? We need to do our uh, our Star Wars show and tell. What you got? Did anybody get any Star Wars stuff for Christmas? I knew that was going to get asked. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, let's do that a little separately because my my show and tell is not Christmas swag, but I do have some Christmas swag. I have no Christmas swag. <laughs> you got Aww. nothing Star Wars I got for no, Christmas? No, believe it or not, me being me, you. my family being my family. Uh, well, I will say this. My family actually did the smart thing, which was they bought me, they mostly gave me cash. Mm. And so, so you didn't they, buy you anything Star Wars? They don't make Star Wars cash yet. <laughs> and so uh, they didn't give me Republic credits. And so now I have I have bought some things for myself, Star Wars, in recent days. But honestly, I bought some big, I bought some big stuff. I bought some cool stuff, but it wasn't Star Wars. I bought a Bose Bluetooth speaker. Mm-hmm. Which is a little portable thing, and it sounds as loud as it wants to They're sound. Beautiful, yeah, and they Shoot. and the, it sounds like stereo, no matter where you go in the room. It yeah, the stereo. They're the most beautiful things in the world. And I can hear, you know, I put the Star Wars soundtracks on there, the Star Wars scores, and I turn it way up, and I can hear them screwing around with their instruments. Yes, like the little yeah. like squeaks on the. I worked yeah. at a restaurant where we had it was it, yeah I think it was basically a speak I think it had a CD player built into it too and we used it as the sound system for a restaurant that was two rooms and one room had a concrete wall sort of separating the other room 
and that and this little thing was smaller than your average boombox. It was like the size of the speakers of a small boombox that you would get. Yeah. And you didn't even have to play it that loud. It just sounded crystal clear in every inch of that room. Growing yeah. up Star Wars brought to you by Bose speakers. <laughs> crystal clear in every part of the room. Yeah. No, it's uh, so that's that's mostly what I did with my Christmas money is I got that. So there wasn't room, you know, and that's funny because the whole time I keep thinking I haven't got anything Star Wars, I haven't got anything Star Wars, and I realize ultimately what it is is pretty much during the year when I want something Star Wars, I go get it. Why do we have you on the show, man? <laughs> <laughs> because I've already got it all. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, get, I get more frustrated at Star Wars Christmas gifts than anything else, to tell you the truth, because you, if you I don't truly have it. You are living, what do you get a Wookiee for Christmas? <laughs> so you got love and understanding and goodwill towards men. Yeah. No, a you know, brush. <laughs> you know they never once say a straightener never <laughs> but um you know I, I i get a little more and i think star wars geeks will understand what i'm saying i get a little more frustrated with star wars christmas presents than not these days because as an adult if I want it, I usually go get it. If somebody is going to buy me something Star Wars for Christmas, they probably can't afford the things I want that I haven't gotten. Right, right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, then they give they give you something. They're like, oh, I saw this in the Walmarts the other day, and it said Star Wars on it. Isn't that great? And you go, eh, whatever. I'm going to put this somewhere now. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I'm not unhappy that I didn't get Star Wars Christmas presents, but it did occur to me that it was kind of strange that there weren't any. It's, I, I, I'm, I was just thinking it's probably like buying Mike Boyle's a comic that he needs for his collection. <laughs> yeah, right. DC. Here's a, couple of, here's a DC comic from 1974. What? <laughs> exactly. You did, you did hear what I gave all the, the other geeks for Christmas, didn't you? No. No. I, I gave them all old Christmas catalogs I got on eBay. Oh, oh that's wow. cool. That's and, phenomenal. Uh, oh, it was, a, it was a great, we had a great time just going through them and going, holy cow, I forgot oh, about this. God, that's just like concentrated candy-coated nostalgia. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was great. We had a great time with it. I had a 1974 J.C. Penny, a 1982, and a 1983 Sears Wish Book, mm. and they were just—they were gold. Mm -mm. I'm looking forward to hearing that now. I have not heard that yet. Yeah, that's the Christmas—the four-hour Christmas episode. Oh, good lord! <laughs> well, <laughs> I was getting it out late, and then I thought, you know what? I closed it. Well, I shouldn't tell you that because I should save it for a surprise, shouldn't I? Hey, and I just re remember this is our new new. New Year's 2015. It is. It is so, now 2015. Right. Now the, the year of Star Wars. A year from now, we will be discussing or possibly discussing <laughs> the new Star Wars movie. We will be able to discuss. I hope yes. we're discussing and not cussing. That's that's yes. my hope for that. Hopefully we're trying <laughs> not to hyperventilate and hopefully we're gushing and not cussing. I, that I, and nice. I'll tell you the truth. I want to gush. I oh, really yeah. do. I want to knock on my ass, but who doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to, and I don't want to go in bitter, and I don't want to go in angry, and I don't want to go in upset, and I don't want to go in with a chip on my shoulder. I just want to go see this movie. You, you're, you guys are familiar with Army of Darkness? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know the scene where he's getting all, it's, you know, he's gearing up and making his metal hand and armor? That's right. what my psyche is doing for, for the new Star Wars movie. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> All right, 
got 12 months to gird up in case in case the worst happens. You'll be ready, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I my uh my Star Wars uh show and tell for this time is a Star Wars Christmas present. So I, I kinda I'm gonna cover kinda cover both at the same time. Our good buddy Dave Atterbury sent me uh my first uh ebook through Amazon. It was a, a an e gift, I guess you'd call it. And it's uh I, I I've only just barely had a chance to kind of crack the cover and skim through it a little bit, but I'm super excited about this because it looks really cool. Um, this is the making of Star Wars enhanced edition. Now, I don't know what's enhanced about it. I'm gonna find out. There's I video. guess hmm? there's video in it. There's video. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I thought no, he I said something those. about audio or something like that. There, in it, so. there is both. Oh, that's uh, cool. I have those actually. Uh, th- th- there's, there's, it's kind of a dual great thing. First off, it's all the text of the book and all the pictures. Plus, you get the enhanced video and audio, and it's like a gazillion times cheaper than the actual book. Right. That's right. what I was yeah. saying. It's one of those books that we couldn't afford on our own. Yeah, yeah, but you can afford the e edition because they're 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 cheap. They're they're like twelve ninety nine each, which is great. Not not you know not that Atterbury didn't go out of his way to spend it. I'm just saying it's it's a great bargain because it is significantly cheaper. I think if you look for the hardcovers on discount, the best you'll find them is 50 bucks each. Right. And there's no animation. There's no video. There's right. no audio. So, I mean, you're really, it's a really heck of a steal of a deal. Yeah. I'm I hope looking you forward to the heck out of that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this big time. I'm, uh, I'm just in the, 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 uh, pro, the forward right here by Peter Jackson. And I'm already geeking out because I, I, I love the little story he's telling it. He's basically telling his Star Wars story at the beginning of it, and I'm really getting uh-huh. into it. So, I thought that was cool. But uh, Dave, if you're listening, thank you very much, buddy. This had me really excited because I saw the uh, the book uh, for the Empire one, the making of the Empire Strikes Back, uh, in a bookstore. God, it had to be a year or two ago, and was I, I saw it and I just geeked out. I'm like, oh my god, this looks awesome. And was gonna buy it and everything, and then realized it was like a hundred and something dollars. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> right. The, so the cover price is eighty five bucks on those things. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's it, expensive. It is. Yeah, I it, can't you know, even afford that. <laughs> the frustrating thing to me is the first one came out originally in a trade paperback, and it was thirty five dollars. And I bought it. and I think this is great. And then they said, "Oh, this is doing well." And they issued it in a hardcover, and I thought, "Well, that's nice for somebody." But not for me, because I've got the trade paperback. And then Empire came out, and they went, only hardcover. Mm. And I went, oh, okay. That and then sucks. Jedi, they did the same thing. Yeah, so I got left hanging until... And then I found those electronic editions like you've got now. So, Well, see, and you know me. I mean, I'm I'm now addicted to the ebook format, you know, the, the e-format. I, you know, I would much rather lay in bed at night, you know, and, uh, and read things on the, on the iPad than I would actually have... Uh, you know the the physical media in front of me. I, I've just I've gotten used to it, so mm. this is great. I, I love the way that this is laid out. So I'm really looking forward to reading this because everybody I know that has read it has told me I need to be reading it. That it's really good. So yeah. looking forward to it. Well, I'm gonna piggyback right on your shout out because my Christmas Star Wars present was from Dave Atterbury too. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get crap from Dave Atterbury. Yeah. Well, I didn't get a catalog okay. in the mail either, so, so I think we we're even. Up, we open up the show with hating on me, firing me, and now I don't get a Christmas present. 
the hell is got, going on here? You, heard, you are you are the Doctor Bill of growing up Star Wars. <laughs> I got a rock. <laughs> I'm the Charlie Brown. Oh, oh that's messed up. Anyway, <laughs> my wonderful Star Wars Christmas present that I got from Dave Atterbury. Wonderful, oh, wonderful, out. sweet Dave Atterbury. <laughs> <laughs> A credit to our listeners <laughs> is, is uh, Star Wars, The Adventures of Luke Skywalker, Jedi I, Knight. I love that book. By Tony Dieter Lizzi. And Ralph McQuarrie. And that's the all the part. art is Ralph McQuarrie pre-production Ooh. and publicity yes. paintings, and it's you know, and it's it's basically the story of the the original trilogy in sort of storybook form for you know little kids storybook writing form, all illustrated by Ralph McQuarrie paintings. Yeah, beautifully reproduced, and even a couple that I'm not really that familiar with that were just beautiful they even managed to squeeze splinter of the mind's eye in here and it's just gorgeous now are any of the pictures girl luke though yes yeah the initial the first picture of luke is the picture of the famous one of them looking down over moss eisley and luke obviously it either has been taking estrogen shots or as a woman <laughs> or is wearing an extremely awkward outfit you know but yes Punching but, up strangely, but that wouldn't explain the hips either. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, it's, great, it's beautiful. I love that book. And now, see, but that's funny because this is. You remember what we were talking about earlier with Star Wars Christmas presents? Mm-hmm. I have got both it. Of those. I got both of those. Yeah. Well, now we got them too. <laughs> we're that much closer to not see, getting another Star Wars Christmas present ever. <laughs> got a few a few more years of that. But, but my see, sh- well, I was going to say, but see if Dave Atterbury had thought of me. And had wanted to do something, I probably would have wound up with something frustrating. So, because I, you know, like I said, I've already got all that stuff. So yeah, you're glad he didn't send you. No, it worked out right. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) bastard. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my show and tell is uh, something I picked up at this this store. That I don't know the official name of it, but my roommate calls it the Craft Graveyard. What's her name? My roommate. No, something you picked up at the craft graveyard. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was a senior citizen. Little, little something I picked up at the craft graveyard. <laughs> Gertrude. It's called gonorrhea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, this place is crazy. It's it's used. People donate craft supplies to it, and it opens up on a Wednesday afternoon. And when we went there, it was just opening up, and the place is just crowded with little old ladies shoving through and everything but on a bookshelf in the back um, my roommate actually found it and was just like do you want this and it's uh and i said yes yes i do it is a listen it's it's got velcro working on it it is a five cassette set of star wars the empire strikes back the original radio drama as heard on nice. radio yeah with the full um John Lithgow, Yoda, and everything. Yep. And Brock Peters, Darth Vader. Yep. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm. I'm. I've been. Um. I got a couple uh, new comic boxes, so I've been reorganizing my comics and listening to this as I do it on a little cassette recorder in my room. It's good, and, isn't it? Oh, it's really good. Mm-hmm. 
Are you kidding? Each episode flies by like crazy. And, yes. that, and I have a sort of second little addendum to it is uh, that prompted me. I found them while searching for nonfiction Star Wars books, but I've got the um, they're paperback books, but little oversized paperback books of the Empire dramatization and the Star Wars radio dramatization, you know, the yes. printed versions of them. Yes. And I don't know if they make a Jedi one, but I think it would be... The Jedi one was a lot shorter, if I recall, wasn't it? They didn't do... Yeah. Uh, didn't have as much DVD extras on that. Right. Yeah. Well, right. They, well the, the biggest thing they didn't have was Brian Daly was dying, and they didn't have a lot of budget, and neither of those worked in their favor. Uh, Brian Daly, in fact, died on the day they finished recording. Jesus. Yeah. So uh, they were they were really racing the clock and just trying to get it done. If, if you listen to it, it's really there's not a lot in there that's not in the film. Right, right. right. I, yeah. That's what I I remember listening to it and going like, ah, you know, it was okay. But the the thing about the Star Wars, I remember I never got to listen to the Star Wars one serialized because we just didn't have a radio station that came in. Right. No, I'll but we had this one radio station that we somehow we got it tuned in over Christmas, and, you know, it was right after unwrapping Christmas presents that they were playing Christmas music on it, so that's why my mother tuned in on it, and they're like, okay, 8 o'clock tonight, we're playing the entire Star Wars radio play, which I didn't know existed, and, you know, immediately, like, you know, it was like someone set off fireworks in the house. I was just like, what? 8 o'clock, blah, 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 and, you know, and the thing about it was is I couldn't, if if we wanted to listen to it, the speakers were like on either side of the house, and and so you had to, it's like no TV. You're listening to, and I talked the family into letting me listen to it, you know, over the over the speakers, and I was just fascinated because it goes way more into detail, you know, even the, more so I think than like the novelizations do, as. Uh, with with side scenes and I mean Empire starts out not even with the first scene it starts out with them um, checking out Dagobah or not Dagobah um, Hoth right and and Han sort of or they're checking out another planet and Han's like doing a reconnaissance flight to distract the Empire like to look like he's looking at another planet. Wait, 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 wait. No, I that's think Rebel, Mission or Rebel Mission. Yeah. Or Mission. Is, that, is that Ord Mantel? I'm getting them mixed up. But it's it's no, some... they, they had a they had a car- the convoy of supplies got attacked by that's the That's right. There there's and some sort Commander of Commander Nera got killed. <laughs> I'm getting my uh but it was uh it starts out on a completely different note than, you know, the movie does. Yep. And uh it's it's really fun. Oh yeah, and Mark. And Campbell I love me some Lithgow Yoda. Lithgow Yoda's great. I like. I think you know it's funny because James Earl Jones is so associated with Darth Vader. I think Brock Peters is magnificent as Vader. He's good. It's weird. He doesn't do a James Earl Jones impression nope. per se. He does like basically he's like Darth Vader. Yeah, he does Brock Peters' rendition of Vader. The Brock Peters version of Vader to me is it's almost like a glimpse into uh, like an alternate universe where yeah. Vader stayed very much the way he was in in the first movie because Star Wars. yeah the because the, yeah the the Vader in in Star Wars is even though it's James Earl Jones and everything is very very different 
than the Vader of Empire and Jedi. He, yeah, he he's much more like more. yeah, he barks more. He's much more of a comic book villain. He's much yeah, more Doctor He's chewing the scenery. Yeah, a little and, more. And Brock Peters carries that through all three of the of the adaptations. You know the radio dramas, and uh, it took me a little bit of time to get used to it because when I first heard it, as much as I really enjoyed Brock Peters in Star Trek. I, I just couldn't get used to him as Vader. But once I finally did, that that was kind of how I came to embrace it was like, you know, this, like I say, this alternate universe version of Vader or something. And, and I kind of I kind of dug it after that point. It's it's it was a unique take, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, all yeah. the voice actors are really good. You know, they're yeah. not exactly nailing like, uh you know. No, but that's fine. I mean, that's that's what yeah, oh, no, it's but but I mean, they're really acting. You know, they could either be doing an impression yeah. of the person or they could be just doing sort of, you know, dry readings of it like they were lines. But they really get into it and, and make it their own. Yeah. We just, it's very lively. We just got through doing uh, Wonderful Life and Christmas Carol again at the Ritz Theater, doing the radio versions. And one of the most frustrating things to me in the world is telling people, you know, we're doing this. And they, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm paid, playing George Bailey, and then they go, "Well, give me, give me your Jimmy Stewart impression." Yeah, and yeah. That's not what I'm doing. You're playing. <laughs> yeah, you're not playing Jimmy Stewart. No, right. I'm playing George Bailey, and uh, it's, you know, I, and I'm not doing it like he did. In fact, you know, I'm not being. I've listened to that radio show, and I've listened to what he did, and honestly, I'm not being directed to do what he did. Right. So I'm I'm doing something different, but the, and that's what you want out of those plays. You want somebody to do their you want them to act. You don't want them to do an impression. Well, when people do that to you, and after you tell them, go, well, actually, I'm doing the whole movie as Porky Pig, <laughs> Porky Pig voice, and then they're guaranteed to want to show up to that to see what that's going to be like. They might be disappointed, but... Yeah, no, they'd be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> or but, you should just do Porky Pig and tell them that's your J Jimmy Stewart impression. I, I, I can't do Porky Pig, though. Uh, well, you could find some somebody that somebody that you do. Yeah. So did everybody? Everybody get? Everybody mention their uh, their show and tell. That's no. Scott. No, no, I've got, got the other guy. <laughs> We're already forgetting about him. We haven't Left fired out him again. Yet. Hang on a sec. What? <laughs> Jesus, sending, what is it with this guy? I know, I've been sending my son down to try and get one of the things that was part of my show and tell, and he like keeps coming back frustrated, and I keep telling him, just leave it alone, and he won't. And then he gets frustrated <laughs> again when he goes and looks again. That's what that's what Scott's dad used to tell him, too. <laughs> Go grab this thing. I know you're frustrated, son, but just leave it alone for a minute. <laughs> hey, hang on two seconds. i got to go do this. i got to go show him how to do this. <laughs> now I'm really... Uh... Now I'm really intrigued. I'm hoping it weighs like 150 pounds and they have to drag it up the stairs with a winch. <laughs> Better be for all this build-up. Watch, it's going to be like, this is my R2-D2 medallion from <laughs> 1978. <laughs> this is my Death Star disco ball. I have no idea what he's got for this I was segment. a dancing fool. <laughs> Ah, oh, just keeps us waiting. <laughs> well, Sue's laughing last, man, when the payroll's down one person. 
could spend that money on that. Well, we got to get, before we fire him, we got to get a list of all the Star Wars stuff we have. And then when we fire him, we can use his payroll to buy all that stuff. <laughs> we could have the Scott Gardner, Chris Honeywell, Scott Rifen Museum, where we just compile all the same stuff that he has. And then we add one more thing to it. So he has to keep buying things. <laughs> we, need have- to, we need to start making up fake Star Wars shit for him to be chasing for his collection. We ought to make up fake Star Wars shit for show and tell and see if he catches us on it. <laughs> I like that idea. All right, well, let's wait a couple months and uh, do that. We'll see if the listeners uh, notice, too. Keep everybody on their toes. What's that? Hey! Hey, is that you? We were just talking about you. Now, I recorded this now. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's all in fun. It's all in fun. Hang on. Where is it on this thing? All right. We were hoping that it was like 200 pounds and you had to winch it up the stairs or something. (laughs) No, I found it. It was where I said it would be, but it was under an envelope, so Garrison couldn't find it. Oh, it was where you said it would be, against the wall, right? Yeah. Uh, On the ground. Well, I thought you understood that it would be on the ground against the wall. Anyway, I have two things on my show and tell today. Now I was originally going to go with my uh, I was originally going to go with my Anakin Pod Racer helmet, but I'll save that for another day. Because today in the mail two things came in that I bought on eBay that I just thought were terrific. One, when was the first time you guys ever heard of Steve Sansweet? Hmm. Right I think around... I was just telling Scott I have the Star Wars poster book. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first time I saw his name. Beautifully made. It was too. it was after after we got to know you at at um, at celebration and everything because I, I kept oh, hearing people mention his name. I'm like, I, you know, and I I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to seem like I didn't know who it was, but I didn't know who it was. I was like, yeah, oh wow, okay. I'd heard yeah. his name and I'd seen the words like super collector attached to it, which makes mm-hmm. me avoid it because I don't want to see somebody's super collection, man. I don't want to hate that <laughs> poor guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I see somebody. This is my this is my warehouse filled with Star Wars stuff. I have to drive a golf cart from one end to the other, you know. <laughs> Steve Sansweet, the new Rusty Miller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh wow! No, yeah, Rusty Miller. I I still can't find him for my Star Wars story. Um, the first time I heard of Steve Sansweet, there was a book that came out in '94 called Tomart's Price Guide to Worldwide Star Wars Collectibles. And he was one of the authors of this thing. And this book was just a photo guide. You know, this is 94. This is right as the dark times are really starting to end. And this was, it was a guide that was just a photo guide of just, just about anything you could have ever wanted. And so I, I bought that book and would just sit and read it and read it and read it and read it. And just, I couldn't get enough of that book. So I thought it was great. A couple of years later, he did an updated edition because there was a lot more Star Wars stuff out there. Well, shortly after that, a guy named Jeffrey Carlton started a did a book very similar but hardcover and full color called the Star Wars Super Collector's Wish Book. One Same of my favorite thing. books. I love that book. Well, I bought the first edition when it first came out. And after that, you know, they put out a second edition, a third edition, a fourth edition, fifth, sixth. And I didn't buy any subsequent editions because, daggum, the, the, you know, these things are expensive. Yeah. So I got a wild hair the other day, and I went on eBay, and I said, well, what if I can find these things cheap? 
and I found three different editions for three or four bucks each. Yep. Yep. If you just went, that's how I I got like the fourth edition for like five bucks or something yeah. like that. And and I've been looking at it in Barnes and Noble, going, "Oh my god, this it's like porn. It's yeah. just little tiny pictures of everything Star Wars with a check next yep. to it. It's, yep. It's I, I you know it's you can yeah. I just I I just get it to page through it, and uh, if you if you keep looking, you know you could get the back editions of it for real cheap. Well, that's what I decided to do. I bought three of them. The first of them showed up today. It's the fifth edition. It is brand spanking new. There's nothing at all. In fact, the spine is still glued. You know these books, the spine comes unglued pretty quickly because mm-hmm. you open it up so much and so widely. Uh, this thing still got the spine totally intact. Uh, this is a fantastic book in fantastic shape, and I am dying to dig through this thing. So I'm really excited about that. And the other one was, I think I saw somebody post this on the Two True Freaks Facebook site the other day. Somebody posted this book somewhere, and I saw it, and I thought, you know, I claim to be a Marvel Star Wars guy, but I don't have that. And if I'm going to be a Marvel Star Wars guy, I should really have that. So I went on eBay, and I found it for $0.99. Cents. Spidey Super Stories number 31. Oh, wow. You got a deal on that one. Yep. Great condition. Star Jaws. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cover's a parody of the Hildebrand Star Wars. Inside, it's all kinds of Star Wars parody with Spider-Man and Doctor Doom. and uh, just, Just a neat little Marvel staff doing Star Wars. In the late 70s, and it really is, again, it's something that uh, I think if you're a Marvel Star Wars guy, this is something you should probably have in your collection. So That Facebook uh, post sent me to eBay, too, and then I was like, instantly, I, I kept seeing, I didn't, I, you stuck to it more, because I was seeing like fourteen ninety five, thirty dollars yeah. for it and stuff like that, and I was just like, nope, never mind. Yeah, it took me a while, but I finally found one for 99 cents, and I would say that it is in very good plus condition. Good enough for a Spidey Stupid story. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those oh, yeah. are usually not cheap either. Uh, the yeah. only one I have is the Jimmy Carter one. <laughs> Somebody paid you to take that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's like waving waving from inside a limousine on the cover. Oh, they, didn't, they didn't do what they did for the Obama with Spider-Man, right? I never saw that. I, well, I imagine Spidey Stupid Stories was done by that time. So no, must- yeah, no, but... You know, they did the Obama Spider-Man story, which was the racist, most racist comic I've ever seen in my life. No, the 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 yeah, definitely the Spidey Stupid stories with um, Jimmy Carter was not racist at all that I could see. Do you have giant teeth? He did. <laughs> Anti-Southist. He did have giant teeth. No, they didn't do. They didn't do like the Southern, you know, the Southern accent like a lot of people did with him. You know, hi y'all. Yeah, Carter never said I declare. It sure is sultry around here. <laughs> Drinking mint juleps. Yeah. I was amazed to be going through my collection not long ago and discovered I had a Spidey Super Stories number one and have no idea where the hell I picked it up at. I was like, really? <laughs> I have a number one of that? Okay. They would be a neat collection to have. Not They used to be the biggest joke in the world. I'd love to have a complete collection of, well, uh, also because of what they're going for. But, they're, you know, right, just because... Yeah. Just says I'm starting to love the just like brain damaged kid comics, you know, stuff that's just like crazy, dumbed down, not dumbed down, but just goofed out. Well, the St- Spidey Stupid stories are kind of dumbed down. Right. But I'm I I love there's a purity to that stuff that I love. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. It's so pure. <laughs> well. Pure and innocent. Are we ready for our Journal of the Wills segment for this one? Yes. Now, uh, you, you introduced this part, Scott, because this was your, uh, your idea for this one. I kind of both liked and loathed this particular subject, I'll be honest but, with you. But, you know, for, for you, it's a good thought exercise. It is. It is. I had to come up with nice things to say about something I don't like. So, yes, mm-hmm. it was. <laughs> we always hear complaints about the changes made to Star Wars for the special editions. So in our top three, I thought, wouldn't it be neat if we could talk about the three things we liked that were changes in the Star Wars Special Editions? And Scott Gardner, I would like to hear yours. It was definitely a challenge, because um, I, yeah, I'm not much of a fan of the of the Special Editions. And I had to really rack my brains, because I haven't watched the Special Editions all that many times. So here's what I came up with. Um... I, I tried to go with something from each one of the of the three films. So for number three, uh, Return of the Jedi, I kind of like there's the scene. I think it's where the sail barge is headed out to uh, the Sarlacc pit. There's a shot of uh, a herd of Banthas. Yeah. And I always thought that shot was kind of cool. You know, it, it's just, you know, it, it's very unintrusive. If you weren't terribly familiar with jedi that particular yeah you wouldn't know that particular thing that particular edition doesn't uh kind of jump out and slap you like other editions do so that i I kind of liked i was Mm -hmm. never a fan of the original cartoony looking shot that 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 original that that replaced with the guy walking on the deck yeah yeah never liked it yeah very animated looking Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was animated, but yeah, it was very yeah. obvious that it was animated. Yeah, um, and you know, and I like that. It, and it's it's so weird because the contrast with that is, of course, is you know, a couple of scenes later, you've got the new edition of the beak for the the Sarlacc, which I just ugh, just I, I can't stand that. So that was a really weird, you know, you mean the Audrey there. three, the uh, yeah, Audrey three. That's what right. I was about to call it. <laughs> Um, number two from the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I always kind of liked the addition of the Wampa that you actually get to see the monster this time. It's funny to me that so many people complain about that. Like, oh, you were never meant to see him and, and all that. Well, you know, as much as I absolutely cherish the Empire Strikes Back, I remember as a kid always feeling a little bit gypped that there was all this buildup for the Wampa, and then you never actually see the character at all. In the, yeah, in there's the movie. A, he's just sort of he's sort of represented in shorthand. Mm-hmm. Well, you, of when, you know, but that's a that's really a Jaws shark thing for people to say you were never meant to see him. Is, exactly is not true. Exactly, it's because uh, Des Webb couldn't you know couldn't work on the stilts and everything, so that's really what that all came from. Yeah, the shots just didn't work, much like you know, like you say, Bruce the shark in uh, in Jaws. So yeah, I've never understood this idea of you know in that particular instance of less being more. In that particular instance, I didn't really embrace embrace that Hitchcockian theory of. You know, it's it's scarier because you don't see it. It's like, no, damn it, this is Star Wars. You know, what, when does Star Wars ever hide the monster? I want to see the monster. 
So actually getting to finally see that in the special edition, I liked that edition. Uh, it, it's off the top of my head on a really quick recollection. I think that's the only edition I actually like in uh, in Empire. The other scenes uh, really bug me in that one quite a bit. The I'm only just, thing that hmm? I was to say, the only thing that really bothers me about that particular edition to Empire is the the looping of the music. Yeah, because the right. scene is longer, they have to loop the music to extend it. Right, and I guess as a guy who's you know, like you, yeah, it's jarring. Yeah, I have a, a very, there's a very strong mental commitment to that score, and when it's <clears throat> when it just jumps out and beats you that it's not right, it's uh, it's a little. But little that one's funny. that one's not near as bad as the cloud the extended cloud car scene later that steals music from later in the movie. Right. That right, one makes yeah. me insane. That was the one. That was the one that, like, in the theater, like visually, I was going, "This is neat." Oh man, they should have just written a new piece of music exactly, for this because yeah. it just took me out of it. Yeah. yeah. Either either written a new piece of music or left it unscored and let let mm-hmm. the course uh, let the score catch up to right where it transitions into the next scene, uh, as in the original cut. Yeah, that made that made me crazy, and it still makes me crazy. Well, That's one of the reasons I can't watch that particular version. If you remember in the film, right after they land, it goes quiet, mm-hmm. so there's no mm-hmm. reason they couldn't have sure. done something different there. Right. I mean, because it's not like they have to join it up with anything score-wise. Because after the landing, it's it's quiet. Oh, you're talking about when the Falcons coming in at, at the beginning yeah. of that? No, I'm talking about uh, there's a transition from Luke being on Dagobah to a cloud car zipping all over the place, and eventually it flies by oh, the window. Yeah, where, window where, where, yeah. Where. and that yeah, music yeah. there is actually stolen from later in the film. Yeah, okay, I know where you're and talking. And that about. just yeah. makes me nuts that they would do that. So you've 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 kind of ruined using that music again later. Right. Right. It makes, it makes the original music a repetition. Exactly. And it's, and it's not a repetition of a theme. It was just something they stuck in there to fill space. So it doesn't even have like a resonance of like the mood of the two pieces. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the only thing I say about that is that's another one of those cartoony shots that I was glad they replaced, but I think you're right. Um, I don't like it when it damages the score. Yeah. I agree. And um, number one, this one, I don't know. You guys can judge whether you think this one's a bit of a cheat or not, because I, I couldn't I couldn't narrow it down to like a specific like time frame or a specific scene or anything. But essentially, the from Star Wars, the first film, the Battle of the Death Star. Now, I would start from about the point where they deploy their S-foils uh, and go in right up to just before the actual explosion, because the addition of the Praxis moon thing for the explosions of the Death Stars makes me nuts. I don't understand why the hell they did that. It just looks silly to me. But, you know, and then prefacing that with the the new, like, beauty pass shot as the X-Wings are, are passing Yavin and everything, I never like that either. It's way too CGI looking. But... After that shot and before the Death Star actually blows up, most everything that was new in the Battle of the Death Star, I really liked and really embraced. I, I liked them bringing in the the squadron of Tie Fighters and just you know, it, it's a lot more dynamic. There's a lot more zipping and flying around, and it looks really sharp. Um, but I'll also you know kind of 
preface that with uh, the version of, of Star Wars that has become my version to watch when I sit down to watch Star Wars is actually a, a, cut, a fan cut called Star Wars Revisited. Mm. And in that, I think he actually added some stuff too. I think he tweaked some of the, the special edition stuff. So I'm not sure how pure special edition I'm watching that sequence. You know what I mean? But regardless, there's stuff that's been added and changed and tweaked with CGI. And I, in that particular instance, I think it only enhances what was already there. And, and it really works well. That I like. Cool. See, you could find three things. Yeah. We knew you could do it. You've just taken your first step into a larger <laughs> world. All right, should I go next? Sure. All right. Well, number three, um, I'm not sure. You, you see, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure before that this they'd corrected a lot. They'd fixed a lot of the bad mats and stuff in space that, that you would see. But um, number three in mine is, is just space in general. They, I don't know if it was a color correction thing or whatever, but... Um, and see, and you can see it on the DVDs, but seeing it on the big screen, what was a huge difference was, man, they they made space just deeper and blacker. And I don't know if it was just because they got it more, you know, condensed and and uh, saturated, but space had more of a dimension to it. You know, it had a more feel of depth to it that I that yeah. I noticed. Yeah, I'm going to actually one of mine will sort of address that as well. Um, number 2 is Biggs. Huh. I I'd always wanted uh, that yeah. back in anyway cuz it was just always because of the Marvel Comics adaptation and the novelization, it was always part of the story for me anyway. Mm. It was so much of a part of the story for me that when I read the comics at first, I always thought that I saw that in the movies and right. just didn't quite yeah. remember it, you know. So yeah, it was that, just always so tied into it with me that seeing it, and I believe maybe I did see, we did, were able to see the version with Biggs reuniting with Luke. Yes. At the, at, so, so I, 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 I thought that was like pretty much like if of excised footage, that, that was pretty much, not that I hate the Jabba scene in there, but that was pretty much the thing that had to go back into Star Wars. If, if that was the only thing they did to the first to Star Wars, I would have been happy with it. Is if they put Biggs back in for the re-release, would have. Now they only put in that that reunion scene. Would you have been happier if they'd put both the big scenes in? Oh sure, all all, all the scenes with Fixer. Yeah, Cammy and and Cammy and and all that. I would have. I pretty much everything you saw in the Marvel comic. Yeah. I would have. I would have put it back in there, and it adds an extra layer of depth. Even though it's cartoonish, it adds an extra layer of depth when Biggs dies in the at the Battle of the Death Star. Yep. It's a right. It's almost like a growing up point for Luke. Yep. And if you remember, when Red uh, Leader comes over to say hello to them, somebody walks in front of the camera at one yeah, point. Yeah, it, it's that's to cut out the part where he references Luke's father. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. And he's, his line is, "If you're half as good as your father." you'll be all right. And the guy walks in front of the screen and then Red Leader just says, you'll be all right. And that's it. Yep. 
Well, that's another one of those things to to lend credence to the argument that Lucas didn't have the entire story, right? You know, ciphered out yeah. yet. That yeah, there were sure. there were things that he he had to tweak and play with and that sort of thing. But even that, you know, nobody has to know that it's Anakin Skywalker who became Darth Vader. I mean, who really knows that? Leave those lines in, right? Because Anakin Skywalker was a legend. Yes, that's true. Let's talk about that. You know, let's 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 put it out there. I'd love to see that line res- rescued. To tell you the truth, that's very true. Yep, that's a that's actually yeah, that's a very easy no prize to to do. But uh, see, I, I've often wondered about the Biggs thing being left out of the beginning. You know, the the coming you know where he revisits Tatooine one last time before going off to join the rebellion and all that. I wonder if that comes down to, frankly, just a matter of. Uh, both time, like where, yeah, just where does it, it along fit, at that point. but also yeah. a, a matter of slowing up the narrative. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. Right. At that point in the narrative, you want to keep it moving along, and that stuff isn't really necessary. It was just cool. I yeah. always, I always thought that I'd seen the scene because I pictured it so vividly, and when I finally saw it, it was pretty much just like I had it pictured in my head of Luke looking up. And just seeing the two little points of light well, up I, in the sky. I think we must have seen it on something. It was on a well, don't special... Don't pictures. there are pictures from it in the storybook as well. Right, but I mean, I, I think somewhere along the way, we saw you know, either the scene in total or, or a significant amount of the scene because... Chris you remember isn't, see, you yeah, remember Chris isn't alone in that because for the longest time I always swore that one of the viewings I had, like one of the earliest viewings that I yeah, had of the movie, that it had the big scene in it. And it became one of those things, you know, like you've talked about, Scott, you know, where, where you talk to people and everybody always wants to claim that they saw, you know, saw it when it came out in May of 77. And you're like, OK, yeah. that, you know, that's that, that can't be everybody. Not and, physically and, possible. And yeah. this has become one of those things over time where, you know, I've had so many people tell me, well, you're just wrong. You know, you couldn't have seen How that. How could you have seen that? That I yeah. finally just kind of gave up and was like, all right, well, I guess they're right, you know. But, you know, up until, you know, and this was only just a few years ago, up until that time, I had always held fast to saying, no, no, I remember an earlier cut of the film seeing it with that in there so i'd be curious if anybody out there knows for sure were there ever prints prints that had the big scene in it because like i said chris isn't alone in that and i know that that even he and i are not alone in that that i've talked to other people that said the same thing that they remember there being scenes in star wars that eventually when when they would see it again like on a on a re-release to the theater or the drive-in or eventually like when it came out on vhs going hmm i remember there being this scene and now it's not there and i'm just wondering is it some sort of mass thing where we all think we saw it because of you know it was out there in the comics and in the storybooks and stuff or did we really see it and we're right that they dropped it in later cuts or you know, there were there were some. Because I specifically some... remembering like how subtle it was. That right. It was just it was like two little sparkly points of light that he was looking at, and you just sort of see him up in the sky for a second, and then he looks away from him. You know. Well, part of the thing that always led, 
you know, in my mind anyway, led credence to the argument that maybe there's something to that theory is remember the scene where they they break into the control room. You know, they, they land on the on the Death Star and, and Luke and Han are disguised as stormtroopers and they get into the control room and immediately Ben orders R2 to, to tap into the main computer, you know, and, and get the plans, you know, to the to the um, tractor beam and all that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I still have the cassette. I, I, it's probably lost to time at this point. But I remember there being a question in Rusty Miller's Jedi Master's quiz book about how many... I'm trying to remember how it was worded. Something about how many links does C-3PO say there are to the tractor beam from the central thing or something to that effect. I remember being like... Where the hell is he getting this question? Because the cool thing about that book was that he would actually cite the references. So mm-hmm. he would tell you, was he getting this question from the movie itself or from a comic or from a you know a reference magazine or whatever, you know, the novel yeah. or whatever. And in this particular case, the question, the, the source that was cited was the movie. But yeah. I had the movie on cassette, you know, audio cassette. Right. I had taken it to the, the drive-in. And recorded the movie and listened to it so much that I memorized it. And that was not on that particular one. And then years later, when it was released, um, I don't think it was the first VHS release. It was a subsequent, possibly the, the THX one. I'm not sure. But eventually, I ended up seeing a version of Star Wars that has that scene in it. And what it is, is... Um, it's a voiceover from yeah. Daniels, and it's obviously a voiceover because C-3PO's yeah. voice sounds slightly tinnier and slightly different right. than the That's dialogue that he... Yeah, exactly. It doesn't match. And so what I'm thinking is the version that I had on... You know, that I had recorded had the visual, but it didn't have that voiceover. And so it was just a, a difference of print. And, you know, they used to do shit like that with movies back in the day. There was that famous scene in uh, in E.T. where Elliot's out in the cornfield. There was a particular release that was like, a, I don't know, like a minute or something longer in that scene where he's searching for E.T. than the, the one that would eventually like hit video and stuff. So it was just, you know, different. It was just the way the nature of the beast back then, different slightly different edits and slightly different prints would go out on these releases when they'd send stuff out to the theater. So I'm thinking maybe there's some, some possibility to it that, that somewhere in the original release of star Wars, there may have been some prints out there that had some of this extra shit in it that eventually did get excised and became the print that we all know today as, as star Wars. I mean, does that at least sound possible? I imagine they were. Bur- I imagine there were new prints of Star Wars being made at a fairly high rate compared to other movies. Right. So it very well, very well could have been. You know, and if it's George Lucas, he's got a propensity for wanting to tinker with stuff. So right. I could see it getting, getting little tweaks to it. That you know, at that point there was no internet or something, so it wasn't anything that people. That I'm probably even thinking Lucas or anything, anybody like that, we're even thinking of documenting. You know, right. it's just a matter of, all right, we got to do another round of prints. Is there anything, you know, we can, can we clean up any Foley work or something like that? Right. What do you think, Scott? 
I I don't think that particular scene got out there. I know that there was a slightly different cut with a couple of different alternate takes for scenes that were already in in the early stages. And the sound, what you're talking about with the 3PO thing, and I actually had a cassette. I think the HBO version did not have, or the CBS version, I'm sorry, the CBS version did not have the voiceover. Right. But my home my home video edition did. Uh, and I had a fairly early home video edition. I, I bought mine in 88. Um, I, the sound mix, though, over the years has been one of those things that that sound mix changed and changed and changed and changed. That is one thing I will say did change significantly. But to remove a gigantic scene to that degree and to have to cut and produce a negative that, that doesn't now have that scene, I, I just don't think that happened. I don't think they struck a negative with that. Um, with that scene in there that, that they distributed. And if they did, it's to me it's unlikely that the people from all over the country saw it. Right. If, right. if it had happened, it would have had to have been isolated to a location here and there. Uh, so, so I do tend to think most of it is just, you know, there were pictures in the novelization, there were pictures in the storybook, there, the scene was in the novelization, the scene was in the comic, and I think over time we just all we got a lot of that you know, jumbled together. You and, know, you know and, what it is that makes me crazy about that that, that like literally makes me think that I'm insane is though I've had a lot of memories like that, and over the years I eventually like have tracked a, most of them down and seen them again and go, oh my god, I did not make that up at all. So hmm. I'm I'm well, hoping I I don't know I'm, I'd like to think that that we got to see some you know rare version that that just ended up and and back in those days stuff like that happened all the time too so it's mm. it's at least in the realm of possibility i like the to cbs think special uh the, the, the well, i guess it wasn't cbs at the time the making of star wars special uh -huh. could that have contained any of that footage maybe but i don't think so I remember I there was there was it. one of them that did show the Jabba that kind of looked like Harry Mud, you know. Right, right. Star that, Wars to Jedi. See, the first time I remember being able to see the the Biggs footage on Tatooine was on a CD-ROM that mm -hmm. they put out back inside the, the Magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was the first time I was I, I remember being like, and I remember being like, oh my god, this is cool. This, and it sort of came out with not a lot, you know, not a lot of fanfare and, but see, and hoopla, it seemed. I have that, and I remember the first time I sat down and watched that, and that, you know, that little bonus was in there. I remember my reaction was, I remember this. That's just like I remember it. Yeah, yes, exactly. So that's what I'm trying to remember is where the hell did I see it? And in my mind, I saw it on one of the first viewings of seeing the movie theatrically. So that's that's my dilemma, is trying to remember where exactly did I really see it, you know? And Are there and, any uh, listens, listeners out there who do, like, regression hypnosis? You know, uh, <laughs> you can help us out. That would be a great show if we all got hypnotized and remembered our Star Wars memories live as they were happening. Yeah, I just, uh, I can't see that being something that, made it to the point where they were striking prints. Right. That's just, that's the only thing that bothers me about that. I can't see that having happened. Well, soundtrack changes, especially like taking out a Foley thing or something, you can do that without altering the time frame of anything. Yep. 
exactly. just tack the new soundtrack onto the print when you put it out. But you change a scene in it, and then the, the, then all of a sudden you have to create a new master video, you know, print of the visual end of it, and yeah. So yeah, that's that's why I just don't think from a from a technical standpoint, I just don't think that's something that happened. But again, storybook, it's there. Uh, th- were there some bubblegum cards? Some of the some of the uh, trading cards. Do they have any of these scenes on there? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So you got that going for you, which is nice. Um, I I just I think it's a lot of we've seen a lot of it. We got we were given a sneak peek of a lot of it, and we put a lot of the rest of it together in our heads. Our brains. Well, number one on my list is uh, is just such a minor thing, and it I. Admit, I don't think it was even just like a matter of color correction, but the um, and this was an Empire. An Empire was my favorite of the special editions because even though it had some jarring stuff in them, they all had jarring stuff in it. But Empire seemed to be the most subtle. It seemed to be the most like putting tweaks in that made sense instead of just like, hey, we can put something in here. It was more like, ah, you could see that this. The set of the of the snow speeder crash snow speeder wasn't quite wasn't quite there, so you can see the edges of it. So we'll fix that. We'll fix these shots, but um, the way they made the star destroyer engines look in Empire was gorgeous. They just had this like hellfire furnace look to them, and uh, that and it was very subtle, but it just added uh, and. I noticed all the Empire ships had this like orange red flame coming out of them, and it just let, lent a little more evil gothic feel to it. And uh, that was the kind of stuff that I think the special edition should have been all about, you know? Uh, it was funny, I was listening to Steve Glosson, um, my Star Wars story the other day, and when he was talking about the special editions, and he was pretty much like, like I was where, you know, I didn't get too upset about it because I was, there was the changes in it, but then there was all the stuff that wasn't changed and I was seeing it on the big screen again. So I was very happy about that. Yeah. And, and the other stuff, it was like, Oh, that was good. That was bad. That was good. That was bad. But you know, that wasn't the stuff that I got excited over. The stuff I got excited over was just the story stuff and seeing it on the big screen again, you know? So, Yeah, so that's that's my top three. That was actually kind of an easy top three, but it, it mostly, except for Biggs, it was mostly stuff in the details rather yeah. than at, uh, added to it. Nice, nice. Well, my three, I'm going to mix up the order a little bit because I was gonna I was gonna close with Jabba, but I'm going to go ahead and go with him right now. He gets a lot of grief and a lot of crap. I love that scene. I'm delighted it's in there. I'm delighted they put it in there. I'm glad they took a, a swing at the bat to put Jabba in that scene. I'm glad they made Solo step on his tail. I just, uh, it was a scene that I always wanted in there. I thought that was the most Star Warsy of the additional, and it wasn't. And that was another. That was like a layer deeper than Biggs of yeah. like lost footage, and it wasn't really necessary to the story. But the way they pulled it off. You know, obviously, it, it, a few more years in CGI, and they could have pulled, pulled it off a little smoother. But the way they pulled it off was very Star Warsy, and it had that the Star Wars spirit was showing special effects wise when they had him step on the tail. Yep. Because they were it, 
what you saw there was like obviously special effects guys being presented with a problem of oh yeah he was walking behind a human actor what do we do and yeah. uh and they instead of like well let's cut away to chewy or something they they came up with a a humorous solution that fit and yeah, yeah i i kind of like that too and I hear a lot of, well, Solo would never have stepped on Jabba's tail. Jabba's too mean and ruthless. But, I mean, listen to the way he's talking to him in that scene. He's not talking to him like somebody who's scared of somebody who's ruthless. And, you know, uh, he's Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart yeah. doesn't talk to anybody like that. Yeah. He's just, nobody. You know, and look. and that's, the, that's the language of thieves and smugglers and, you know, outlaws. Is every, you, you, don't, you don't show weakness even when you're in a superior, you know. Yeah, and he says the, you, you want to talk to me. Don't send one of your hired twerps. Yeah, exactly. Power, <laughs> power is you know it's not. Yeah, power isn't represented like that. It's power. Jabba represents power by sending bounty hunters after you. You know. Yeah. Yep. So I, I really enjoyed that. The other uh, solo and the stormtroopers on the Death Star. Uh, that is a scene that was never clear to a lot of people. I only understood it through reading the adaptations, mm -hmm. that when he chases after the stormtroopers, the reason they stop and turn around and take him on is because they hit a dead end and then realize there's only one guy after him. And they, it's not really, to me, ever been clear in the original film, so they change it so that he runs into a gigantic army of stormtroopers. It's visually, to me, it's better storytelling. And, of course, it's setting the stage for them to be able to make massive tons of troops on stage at once. On screen, I should say. Right. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I felt like that was an improvement. I thought it was uh, better storytelling. It was more fun, and uh, it just it just made things flow a little better. And number one for me, and this is one of the things that you touched on a little bit, Chris. They did. My understanding is they tracked down as many original elements as they could, and recomposited them all digitally. Mm. So the optical composites are mostly gone in the special editions, which means. Fewer mat lines, fewer boxes around the, the star fields, the mm -hmm. spaceships. It means that on Hoth, in order to find that balance between mat line and no mat line, they don't have to make the ships opaque. If you remember, originally, when you you got shots of people piloting snowspeeders, you could see through the snowspeeders. Right, yeah. When they're sitting in the cockpit, you could see through them, not well, but a little. A little bit, a little enough. bit of movement going on in there. Yeah, because yeah. they had to make them a little bit opaque so that they could make the mat lines disappear a little more easily. Uh, with the digital composite, boom, they don't have to do that anymore because they can just cut it out and stick it on there. Uh, so the fact that they went back and recomposite, you know, when people want to complain about changes made to the special edition, that's probably the biggest one that I would point to for people to say, hey, be thankful that the special editions exist because now you can't see through Luke as he's piloting his snow speeder. Well, yeah. Well, a lot of people, I think, when they put together the original cut versions, they'll use those parts of the special edition because mm -hmm. they just look like they're supposed to look. They yeah, were supposed exactly. to look. You know, it, it it's it's not a distraction. If it's distracting it, that means you're a super geek like us, and it's a happy distraction. <laughs> if if you're just a regular viewer, that that's just going to go right by you, you know, and that's what it's supposed to do. Yep, yep, great point. That's what I think the that that's what I think the special editions ultimately should have been about. Instead of if they were put out as just an anniversary edition fun thing, instead of like 
nope, this is canon because this is going to be the cuts of Star Wars from this. I would have been a lot more forgiving of the, you know, whole messy sequences added at, you know, the grandstanding sort of stuff. You know, I, I like a lot of the computer editions to the special editions personally, but you know what my biggest complaints about the special editions are? What's that? The dialogue changes. There are dialogue changes in there I don't understand. Uh, when when Luke tells R2 on Dagobah, you're lucky you don't taste good, that's a good line. When they change it to you were lucky to get out of there, it falls with a thud to me. And it's, and it's weird. It's like he, it's not like he shied away with putting goofy humor or kitty humor into the into the special editions, you well, know. Yeah, so by the end of, by the end of that very scene, R two spitting out gunk in a very funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it, not even in that scene is he shying away from it. Um, the, in Return of the Jedi, when Solo goes down to blast the uh, Sarlacc, get Lando out of there, and Lando says, "No, wait, I thought you were blind." The original version he says it's all right trust me that is a great solo line they change it to it's all right i can see a lot better now which means nothing um and then there's uh, as one i was talking about earlier tonight during a recording session of uh my star wars story which is at the end of empire when uh vader's walking off of cloud city and he says uh, alert my star, alert my shuttle to bring my, or whatever, alert my star destroyer to bring my shuttle over here and let me go over there. I'm going to stop by the store and get some cigarettes on the way back. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on with this whole detailed thing. And in the movie, originally he just says, very tersely, bring my shuttle. Right. And, and that line and the way James Earl Jones delivered that line says, this guy is pissed. Yep. Yeah. And you don't get that when you get alert my star destroyer to have a feed the cats before I tell get my secretary to dogs. hold all my yeah. messages. Yeah, exactly. It just ah, but bring my shuttle. And he growls it too. Bring my well, shuttle. That the way they split that scene in the special edition was unforgivable to me because you've got that that scene of Vader's shuttle actually coming in on the Star Destroyer and all that, and he, he comes down the ramp and all. Totally destroys the both the score and the pacing of that scene and, and the very tense buildup that was going on during that scene in the original cut of the movie. I never understood Oh, I'll tell you edition. why they did it. I'll tell you why they did it, but I think if they'd left it alone, it would have been okay. The reason they did it is because you never see Vader. There are people who did not ever understand that Vader had left Cloud City. Mm. Uh, upon viewing it, a casual viewer would not understand that Vader. But I think the line, bring my shuttle, is enough. Right. It but, worked for me. Yeah, I know it, I there's ever never did. any confusion with me. Yeah. 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 But I know that there were there was confusion amongst the casual observer that, you know, well, we, he's on Cloud City. Wait a minute. Why? Why is, is he still on Cloud City? He's not on Cloud City. Why is he? You know. Uh, yeah, but those people aren't going to hold that against the movie because they're going to be walking out to their car going, "Where are my keys? Do you remember where yeah. I parked the car? I don't remember where I parked the car." At they're the going to go home and go, "The cat's dead. We forgot to feed it." <laughs> At the worst, they're going to go out and go, "You know, that was a movie blooper. I'll have to remember that. I'll submit it to a website." <laughs> what a snafu! <laughs> <laughs> he never left Cloud City. We. But yeah, that's that's why I'm sure that was put in there. But I think it was way too long. It is another one of those again moments where it plays with the score, and 
it resulted in them mangling a great line of dialogue that revealed character. And that's that part, to me, is unforgivable. Uh, when you start screwing around with, with dialogue that is really Good. indicative of character and mood, is it, it, that's not right. Unforgivable. <laughs> that's what you are. You said for me to bring my shuttle and have my cats fed and... <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't understand it. Don't forget to cancel my golf meeting next Thursday at noon with Dr. Beeper. Tell my secretary, no cream. No (laughs) cream. Despise it. And get a note to the milkman. No more cream. That's what it is. (laughs) I've just been throwing it out. (laughs) Wasteful. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.